Hello, everybody, and welcome to what I believe is episode it's 24 episode 24 of the rams review podcast obviously it's been a while since we've done one of these about four weeks um as many people will now know that there's not been a great deal uh going on but we thought we'd bring bring something to the table um just in case there's a little bit of something uh worth discussing with me today again which is great is Corey. hello Corey. hey jason how you doing yeah, very well, thank you. Um, with me again uh, to discuss a few bits and pieces uh, that's been going on in the last four weeks. As always, guys, to get in touch on Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. On Twitter, it's at Rams Review One. Uh, email Rams Review at hotmail.com with any questions, comments, anything like that. Please get in touch. Please share and subscribe. Thank you very much for that's the intro. So, Moving on to what we are going to discuss today, um, as pretty much is the about the only thing that we can discuss is developments that have happened over the last four four or five weeks um, to do with the coronavirus, to do with football. Um, there is a little bit of club news, um, unfortunately, half of it's negative, but that seems to be the way certainly this season. Um, so we're going to discuss that as well, and then we've got a bit of a fun fun thing to do towards the end of the podcast. Um, Maybe this particular um, recording will get split over two. We're going to see how it goes. We're just going to run run with it from, from the floor. So first up, obviously, uh, coronavirus still going on, unfortunately. Um, no real signs of a great deal happening. Um, got a update from the EFL uh, in the last 48 hours, basically saying things are still as they were. No club is to begin training until uh, the 25th of May, which I believe is probably about a week on Monday. Um, But obviously the plans are still there to, at this moment in time, continue with the league behind closed doors. Something that has been reported uh, today is that League Two, uh, as Corey uh, informed me just before we started, League Two have decided that their season is pretty much over and done with. Uh, no decision has yet been made on League One. So that's every level now, I believe, uh, in the country from League Two downwards. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do with League One. Obviously, me and you, Corey, we were having a slight discussion about this just before we came on um, about why the Championship probably wouldn't agree with that um, due to the financials. But obviously, we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail uh, in a minute. But that's that's the news uh, from the EFL is that not really a great deal of change. Um, but it's what we're going to discuss. I know we've probably touched on a few of these bits and pieces in the previous couple of podcasts that we've done, but trying to bring a, a bit more of now we've got a bit more information from uh, from the EFL and from the government might be able to give us a bit more of an insight as to uh, when it if football can return. Um, Behind closed doors football, first thing to discuss, we know that I believe it's starting this weekend, Corey, the German league is back. German league is back. So, um, yeah, and and that'll start obviously uh, tomorrow uh, with a full program because they felt that it was necessary to do that. And obviously there's still, there's some games going on in in, uh, Korea, uh, Korea as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously France, French league uh, last week decided that Paris Saint-Germain was going to be the champions and that was that. Um, 
very very interesting to see different countries. I mean, you would you would probably put Germany as a, as a world football uh, up the top there, certainly national wise. Um, the the domestic leagues probably one of the top three or four in in the world. Um, French leagues probably not quite as strong, although they've got some big hitters in there as we well know. Um, but just the decision there between the two countries, obviously we haven't made a decision. And obviously there's been countries where I think Belarus, I think, is one of them where football hasn't really stopped. And, you know, there's things like that. It, it, the way that they've come to the decision, I'm not a government minister. I'm, I'm pretty sure there, there'll be facts and figures to back up their decisions. Um, and hopefully, obviously, the Premier League will follow suit sooner rather than later. It's not Premier League's not something that I follow a great deal of, but obviously with it being in this country than I do, uh, do know about it and and, and that likes. Um, and hopefully the championship, as I say, because the, just the price to get into the Premier League, the, they will follow a similar suit to what the Premier League try and do. Well, that's what we've got to hope. Um, but it'd be very interesting. Behind closed door football, as you said, Germany, um, that's what they've decided. Obviously, this. It's something that across certain European teams and countries, mainly due to obviously bad behaviour more than anything. But, you know, these games do get played behind closed doors sometimes. Uh, it's not as if it's um, a, a new thing. Um, but, of course, it's it's under different circumstances now. Um, it's, it is a case of you've got to play behind closed doors now for probably the foreseeable future. I would have thought certainly basing it back on this country, if it was to start back up again, you're certainly looking at the end of end of this season, if they do finish it and you would have to take a, a good stab that at least the beginning of the new season, whenever that may well be, will at least have the same, um, the same restrictions in place uh, because the, the virus itself is still just an unknown quantity. And obviously, certainly basing it on our league and Premier League above, you know, you are looking at 20, 30,000 people a week um, going to these games. Uh, just just the logistics of that must be really difficult. Obviously, Germany, certainly, you know, you look at obviously Bayern and Dortmund, they are 50, 60, 70,000, probably more. Um the logistics of all that, you can understand why it has to be behind closed doors. But the exciting point of it is, is uh, in some respects, if we can take the take the German league, see how it progresses. I'm sure uh, from a government point of view, our government will look at that uh, and, and obviously examine the figures and, and things like that just to see how successful um, the restart of their league has been over uh, the next couple of weeks just to see if that they can implement any of that into um, into the into into the Premier League and into at the moment the championship and possibly League one dependent on what they do with it yeah and it, and, and it will be it will be really interesting to see to see what takes place and you know you have to ensure the safety of the fans which I understand it's behind closed doors and everything like that but on the flip side of that some of the things that I've read that um, the FA and uh, MPs and stuff have been discussing is just, it's just absolutely ludicrous. And I just can't wrap my head around um, what they're discussing. Um, obviously I think the first point first and foremost is you have to ensure the safety of not only uh, not only the fans, but the players as well, because the players, they do have, they have families as well. Um, but when you're, when you're looking at talking about restarting a season and you have people suggesting, well, let's just limit the halves to 30 minutes instead of 45. Let's have five substitutes instead of three. Let's ban spitting. 
And, you know, and I had read a report where they said, well, if you get tackled on a football pitch, just turn your head the other way. So you don't come into the contact with them. Well, we're going to sanitize the fields. We're going to sanitize the corner flags. And I think, you know, if, if you're talking about trying to maintain the season to restart the season, but you're playing games under different conditions that I don't see how the integrity of the season can continue. Because if you've got, you know, let's say Darby's now played 30 odd games, which I think they've roughly about played 30 games at four at 90 minute games. And now all of a sudden you're making 60 minute games. That's not maintaining the integrity of the season because you're losing a third of each game. So personally for me, I don't think, you know, until you can continue football at the same, under the same parameters that you played the other 30 games, you shouldn't necessarily be continuing to play under different parameters. Absolutely. And I think obviously with you just explaining it there, I mean, for me, the point of this, obviously, I want football to come back. Of course I do. Um, I miss going. Um, I miss just the obviously being in and around football throughout the week and just listening to reports, reading reports, because as we said something just before we started again, you know, the, the, it's the same information being churned out day in, day out, week in, week out at the moment, because there's nothing really new to, to talk about. So, of course, I want football to come back. My point would be, if all... The, irrespective of how safe putting all these implications in place will be, if you're having to do exactly like you've just said, if you're having to do that change that much, surely it's not safe to be doing it. I think what they're, I think what they're doing, Jason, I mean, I think the way I look at it is obviously, you know, you guys are still under a a, a lockdown, so to speak. We're still under um, here in here in Virginia, still under some sort of stay-at-home order, and obviously people are releasing those restrictions all over the country here um, and and all over the world. But you're seeing an increase in in cases, and I think you know any employer has a duty of care for their employees, and I think um, there's a longer, broader impact of health that I want to talk about in a minute. But I all it's going to take as soon as one player tests positive, what happens if a player passes away? If it's unfortunate enough, a player passes away. Because that club is entering so much liability for a player for, and that would be workplace negligence. And then, then they're going to get sued out the wazoo because I'm making a player work when they don't feel safe. And, 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 and if you go into your, if it's like, if, if you go into an NHS hospital and you're a nurse or you're a doctor and you don't have protective PPE, you're putting your life at risk. And, and those people are saving lives. Those people are helping people. But these people are these these guys that we worship as heroes. They're just footballers. They're just people like me and you who are a little bit more talented at football. Not as talenting. They're not as talented at podcasting as me and you. But they're yeah. more they're more talented at kicking a ball around. And people like that. And I'm I'm right there with you. I wanted to do it too. But heaven forbid something happens to one of them, and they get ill because that's going to be a whole other legal issue. And they're they're going to get sued. And the PFA is going to get sued. And the league's going to get sued because. Because people spend a lot of money to get to this point, and I understand that, and I can talk from a different perspective because I'm not putting 150 million pounds into a football club to try to get them promoted to whatever level. But you got to protect your investment. Yeah, it, 
and that is obviously, I mean, not just, I think, football in general. It's you know just the way of the world. This pandemic is obviously affecting a lot more important things than just football. And, and everybody's got a keen interest on getting, trying to get some, some form of normality back because of the financial markets and things like that. And definitely in a football club, when you're doing that, I mean, obviously, um, we know a lot of clubs have uh, furloughed their playing staff and non-playing staff. And, you know, obviously in terms of Derby County, I think quite a few of them are probably on at least a 50% wage cut uh, and things like that. It, it's it's not sustainable. It, it, before Derby's finances were a little bit shaky, um, they're probably not, they're probably in a worse position now. Um, and, you know, just taking it away from personal um, security in terms of football, I mean, the amount of clubs that could potentially go under from this. Um, but, you, you take it from the other side where, okay, somebody comes out tomorrow um, or whenever, uh, just in a hypothetical scenario and turns around and says, right, football starts again tomorrow, rehire your staff, redo this, redo that, redo the other. Three to four weeks time, they, they look at the figures and go, wow, we've had a whatever spike, in, we're going to have to lock all this back down again. I don't, you know, the the, the costs of a, almost of a startup again. And I suppose this is a, across business. The, the cost and putting all the uh, sanitation in place, putting all these uh, security measures in place, putting all the distancing in place, all these things that they're going to have to do just to get it back um, for what could be, who knows how long, those figures start to spike within the first week. I, I can see it all being shut down again. And it's even more money that these people are putting in uh, and, and getting nothing out of it, which, you know, again, it goes back to the point of whilst we all want it to be up and running, is it worth is it worth the risk personally, which is obviously more important and, and financially as well? Obviously, something else we're going to go on to in a, a, in a little bit more detail, the financial implications of it. But um, it's. It's going to be very interesting to see how the German league works. Obviously, not that anybody's particularly chosen them, but they are going to be the guinea pigs um, for any um, FA that have not already shut down their leagues for the you know, completely. Um, it, they really are going to be the guinea pigs, and it's going to be interesting to, to to see how it works. Of course, you can't take all that information just from those because their social distancing and lockdown measures uh, just in the country as general may well have been different to certainly what the UKs have been. Um, so obviously, I, personally, I think the UK was a little bit lax on, on locking down. Um, but at the end of the day, if you can... It might almost be, as I say, it could be a double-edged sword, but it might also be a really good thing that you can see a fully-fledged professional league at that level um, go go through the motions of what needs to be done, do it, and for us, personally, as, 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 as the English FA, learn from whatever, if there are any, any, any downturns or mistakes from the German uh, setup, and implement them into our game when that game is then deemed ready and ready and safe to to be to be back at not full capacity, of course, because it is going to be behind closed doors. But at least getting some football on the pitch. Yeah, and I think um, I one hundred percent agree with you. But you can see how how we implemented VAR as opposed to how the Germans implemented it, and how we have a completely different interpretation of of that thing. It's it's obviously going to take time, and I think there's a frustration 
Um, obviously, we're, we'll talk about the finances uh, a little bit later, but there's a frustration amongst clubs to get restarted because of the costs. Um, but, you know, the one other thing I just want to mention about the health aspect is they've started to show that the, the, the virus has other implications rather than just an illness. You know, it, it scars the lungs. It has, you, people can have liver damage. People can have kidney damage. People can have neurological uh, damage off of it. You can see it now in children where they're starting to get, where they're starting to get long-term effects. They're, it's starting to affect, um, I think I read where it affects people's feet as well. And, you know, the problem is for a professional athlete is your livelihood, is your, is your body, is your physicality. And, you know, if a player was to get, I know let's for instance, Kylem Hudson, Adoy at Chelsea, he's, he's had COVID. And so, you know, he might never return to the same player he was because we don't know the long-term implications of it on their lungs, which yeah, they finish out the season 10 games, but he might lose 10 years on his career Um, and, and things like that. And I think, you know, it's good that they're taking their time and, and yeah, I'm missing football just as much as the next guy, if not more, because I build a lot of what I do at weekend and, and how I structure my, my life around football. Um, but you know, I also, I also just want to see everybody safe. I don't want to, I watched a game at Bolton when Fabrice Mwamba, he died on the field and obviously was later had a heart attack and he later came back to life, you know, and, and we've all seen those situations and I don't want to be watching a game where where people are um, sick and, and passing out and, and having to be carted off. And I don't want to see a game where they change, not the rules, but they change, they change the limitations of the game of the season you started because you read things about, well, we need to finish the integrity of the season. But back to my previous point, if you're changing the rules of the game halfway through, your integrity of the season's already compromised. And I understand like enhanced sanitation techniques, but you can't expect somebody to run and wipe down a corner flag every time a player comes within six feet of it. That's just, that's just crazy. Yeah, it, it is, and it covers obviously a couple of the points that we we're going to cover over this topic there. Like you said, the um, the financial implications, which we're going to go on to uh, in a second, and these new rules, the, the potential rule effects and implications. I mean, another one that um, I know um, certainly from obviously being in and around Derby, unlike yourself, um, and I, I did. I, I was on Sky Sports News a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was the mayor of Liverpool, I want to say. I could be slightly wrong with that, but it was certainly something to do with that. And he was, um, he'd got, obviously, being Liverpool, they want to be crowned champions. Chances are they're going to be crowned champions, even if they, you know, if, if this restarts or not. But he was saying, you know, even if the season, the, the worry for him uh, was that even if the season was done, dusted, they came out tomorrow and said, right, that's it. And, how the league lies now is how it finishes. You're telling me that a team, as in Liverpool, who have not won a league title for 20-odd years, they're not going to storm the stadium, uh, you know, congregate around there, the training ground and all that kind of thing, where that isn't going to be able to be managed and maintained in a safe way. And obviously, this is slightly different from obviously restarting the football. But I mean, for instance, Derby were the top of the league. They turned around and went, that's it, Derby are champions. Are you telling me that no Derby County fan would storm Pride Park for a celebration? It's going to happen. Um, obviously, planning for something like that would obviously be very, very difficult. And that would be personal preference and personal choice. And if you're one of those people that wants to put yourself at that risk, then, you know, that, that good luck to you. Um, and 
again, something that we just mentioned just before we come on. Um, when football does come back in any form of capacity where crowds can go, it, it, it's all it's going to be a personal preference. Now, you are going to get the people that won't go. There's no doubt about that. Will they put into implications where... Uh, you know, the club turn around and say, look, we're really sorry. Uh, we, we want all our fans there as a fan base, but I'm sorry, anybody we, over the age of 50, you just can't come. Again, going back to your point, that's another thing that is a detrimental effect to the game that we know and love um, that I don't see as a... It's certainly not a positive, and I don't think it's a neutral either. I think it is a negative point, and I think the more and more you look into it, the more and more, obviously, negative things come about it, it really does, to me, pull pull up the point of why rush it back, apart from the finances, why rush it back when you are going to not get the same product at the end of it? I mean, I've just I've just been looking. We mentioned, we talked about League 2, and League 2 is going to do the point per average game. Um, ratio to finish out the season. And essentially what that's going to do is all the teams are going to finish on the same amount of games and they're all going to get the points that they, you know, an average number of points that they accumulated for the first 30 or 35 games or however many games they're in for this first, um, first part of the season. And so essentially what you're going to end up doing is the table is going to look exactly the same, um, you know, with the, with the exact same number of points. And yeah, obviously from a Derby perspective, yeah, if let's say they average two points a game or whatever in their ninth and they finish ninth, could they have flipped that two points into something else? Yeah, they they probably could have. But, you know, and, and I feel bad. Like for somebody like Aston Villa, who's three uh, two points away, two points off being safe in the Premier League with a game in hand, you know, you, have to, you obviously have to, I would say cancel it, but you can't normalize it when people haven't done all the same things equally. Um, but you know, my, 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 my point is, is that let's just draw a line under this because the uncertainty doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help fans. It doesn't help players. It doesn't help clubs and it doesn't help owners. Um, and it doesn't help the league. And I think, you know, I think that you've got a really bad situation and it could go really bad very quickly if it's not managed properly. And the other point is if, if you're going to test players, I read this week where Major League Baseball, instead of having 162 games, they're going to go in 80 and they're thinking about opening up in July. And a lot of baseball players have been talking about this online. And, you know, if you're going to test players two and three times a week and Darby have a squad of, let's say, 25 players and they're getting three tests a week, that's 75 tests a week just for the playing staff at Darby. Why would those tests not be more beneficial to just have them keep at home and, and, and make sure those tests are available to the public? Why are footballers why are footballers different in in that respect? Just because we want to play a game? Yeah, I think that a point I was going to come on to it, that is the part that I've read that I think that's something that's happening over in Germany as well. The the routine testing of the players, like you say, those tests are going to be taken away from potential um, critical people. Now, I can fully understand. Obviously, I can base it on this country that I know up at around seven, eight hundred deaths a day. That's too high. The government have fully come out and said that's too high. Uh, and obviously, the the things in place are to reduce that number uh, before things can start getting before things can start improving, and we can start doing more. That that that's fine. I mean, some people uh, will will have the opinion of one death is is one too many, and uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but again, you've got to bring back some form of normality to whatever extreme that may well be. But yeah, when you're taking that many for something other than uh, 
the only, as we said, the thing is, it's the financial thing about it. It's yeah, it, it does. It does take a lot. Um, regular testing and things like that. I mean, it's gonna. It's difficult because I mean, we're thinking about getting twenty-two people on a match day on the pitch for ninety minutes. Okay, couple more for the officials. The official, the official, you know, the, the managers. They don't have to be on the touchline. There's all all that. But then, of course, it's not just that. You can't just go and open up the stadium, let twenty-two people in play a game of football and walk back out again. It doesn't work like that. Okay, yes, you've not got all the all the concourse staff. You've not got, obviously, the fans. You've not got all the security. You've not got the policing involved. You've not got the TV and media coverage. Although we've already heard it, certainly in this country, that if and when they do get back up and running, they want to broadcast every single game you know, available. So that means, I mean, I've seen, certainly because I sit in the South Stand, that's normally where the Sky cameras set up uh, and all the big trucks turn up. You know, it's a big production team. Um, okay, I'm sure they could probably reduce that, but still, that's putting more people in the in the firing line, if you want to call it that. Um, that you don't necessarily have to. Um, and then, obviously, like it's, it's it's the players. I mean, I've I've listened to interviews from obviously I've been keeping in touch with uh, what Derby players are putting out on social media, and they're all rearing to go. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to do the other. I mean, I listened to an interview, uh, I've listened to two interviews just recently, one with Curtis Davis, one with Martin Wagon. Martin Wagon said he's rearing to go. Obviously, they are worried about certain things and it's got to be when it's safe to do so and the, the, the things have got to be in place. Um, and I think, again, just going back to the German thing, it, that's why I think it might be a, a decent marker because anybody who's decided to put the put the head above the above the water per se and go right this is what we're going to do great we're going to try it mountains and mountains of research will have gone into that that could all fall within the first 30 minutes because of something that just didn't or wasn't thought of and so we can learn from that potentially that's certainly the way that i'd be looking at it i don't want to put out there that i think people dying is the way for us to learn that's not what i'm trying to get at but practices and things like that what they can put in place what they don't what they do and don't put in place maybe even but just look at don't like you say the uncertainty probably is killing us a little bit just turn around and say no at at this moment in time no not oh you can't go it's going to be the 25th of may before you can start training we want you to start potentially playing games at beginning middle of june or whatever just stop putting dates to something that you can't 100 percent um back up with with facts and figures if the german league wants to go ahead and do that great have a look at it in when they start have a look at it in three and four weeks time research the way that they're testing research the way that they're social distancing research the way that they do this that and the other and implement that into our own game which then eventually when things start to get up and running i don't think you can ever really without fully shutting it down which i I don't think is I don't know about an option. I, I just don't think they'll go with that option. Um, we've just got to make pretty damn sure that whatever risks there are, and at this moment in time, I would say the risks are still too great. Um, whatever those risks are, are absolute minuscule. But as you quite rightly said a minute ago, th- there are footballers that have got this. Have got this. We've already seen, I think it was Jose Mourinho holding training sessions with some of his players in a park. 
it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, was it Brighton? I think it's Bright may, may well have been Brighton that have turned around and uh, have got known positive cases. Um, and of course, I think what you, obviously what you're going to have to find um, is that the Premier League, whatever league, all 20, 24 teams, however many teams, they're all going to have to agree because again, it would take away from the uh, the respectability of the football if. 70% of the teams went, well, we're okay. We don't, we're, we're good to go. And there's just two or three teams that turn around and go, <laughs> not doing it. Okay. The the chances are it will get voted in the majority that, okay, those games avoid result, no result, whatever, whatever way, but that would still take away from the authenticity of playing out the league in a, in a normal way. And quite like you said there, you bring in different rules. You bring in, if players have got to run around with masks on, for instance, how do you know that that's not impairing their performance? So if it gets to that point where things like that are impairing their performance, basing it on the way some leagues have done, where it's a case of, right, well, you average this, so that's what you're getting, that's got to be just as good. And the risk isn't there for, for more people to, to, have this, to have this disease. And, and it's like, it's like what, you, what we say when, you know, people complain about the weather and stuff when they're playing. It's the same for all the teams. So if you end the season for all the teams and you say, okay, Leeds and West Brom, you're not going up. Charlton, you're staying up. It's the same for all teams. We're all, we're all in the same boat. People across the country, all football fans wanted to return. And we're all, you know, as they say here, we're all in this together. And, you know, it's, it's just a game at the end of the day. You know, I, I personally, I prefer to be able to come home and see my family and, and, and hang out with my friends in 10 or 15 years' time rather than worrying about eight games now for a Derby County season, which is already pretty much gone anyway. Or any season, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose you look at... You, you can pull all sorts of statistics from, from what I'm about to say. Uh, bear it in mind, say we were eight games into the season, and that was it. The coronavirus came along. Season to be over. It's absolutely. It wouldn't matter about finances. It wouldn't matter about anything. Season would be over. I think even up to the halfway point, maybe even up to the halfway point, you could probably turn around and go, season over. It is the fact that we are so close to finishing it that they probably want to finish it. And I'm now going to go on to, to obviously the finan- financial aspects of that. I mean, obviously, getting promoted to the Premier League worth multi-million pounds. Dependent on the rules, what they decide, if they go, right, we'll stop and everybody stays in the same division, there's going to be three teams in the Premier League that are relieved. There are going to be three teams in the Championship that are going to be pretty naffed off. You do it where you go, right, you come down, league stops, bottom three as it stands, go down, top three as it stands. However, they'd work the playoffs. I I would presume that if they was going to go down that avenue, they would just go top three. Um, Go up. Quite rightly, like you said a couple of minutes ago, um, I'd put us, I'd put ourselves because we were in good form. There's always a late surge. There's always a team towards the bottom that makes a bit of a resurgence uh, in the leagues. Is it fair to take that away from them? No, to be honest, not- Darby, Darby were that team that were looking like they were doing that. We're ninth. We had good form. We looked like we turned the corner. Yeah, there's a the other teams in and around us. They weren't digging up any trees, really. Um, so yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, obviously, I'm slightly biased because I am a Derby fan. But then if, if another team were making a charge like that, you would have to turn around. I mean, base it on last season, um, Aston Villa, if the season ended six games before uh, the end of the season, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. It, it's just, it, they wouldn't have been promoted. And, and that, obviously, to a championship club can be worth 100 million plus. Um, and that is, again, it's just one of the factors that makes this decision difficult. And I think also, if they've gone now and said League Two down, that's it. The financial implications of it are great. But at the end of the day, as we've discussed before on, on the podcast, say for winning League Two, it's a million pounds. A million pounds to a League Two club probably feels like a hundred million to a championship club. Just for the just for the extra expenditures that you get, obviously, as you go higher up the league. So I don't think that's I don't think it's fair if that's what they've decided to do, because um, basically something that I think needs rid in football is the big money, and all this is doing is allowing money and wherever that money may come from, uh, from broadcasting rights and things like that. It, all it's doing is giving them giving them the say um, when. I don't think it should be about that. It should be more about, again, safety, of course, and, and, and the football in general. But it is at this moment in time, the leagues around the world, certainly the Premier League, has not been stopped fully because of the financial implications that it would it, it would cost. Um, read something the other day. I mean, the, the majority of football clubs are in debt. And it's gone that way because of the last 10, 20 maybe uh, 10, 20 years. Um, obviously, just swinging it straight into the finances. I've read various bits and pieces about putting salary caps in place. I think that'd be great. The only problem is with that, you you are going to turn around and get players turn around and go, no, I've got a written contract here. And that means you pay me this. Okay, well, when your contract runs out, it drops to that. Uh, and if that's the same across the board, you can't have it the same across the board, unfortunately. So it is going to be a league thing, uh, pretty much. Um, and obviously, there's always those types of players that probably aren't quite good enough for the Premier League, but fire the championship. Dwight Gale is probably one that, that springs to mind straight off the bat there. He's had fantastic success in the championship, never really cut it in the Premier League. Um, you know, these players, whatever the salary cap may well be, and, and I'm almost certain that the salary cap that we would think acceptable is definitely not going to be the salary cap that if one comes in is going to be the actual salary cap. No, certain. And then if you govern that in this country, that's got to be across world football. Otherwise, we'll find all the best players over here who can who are limited to earning twenty plus thirty, whatever they set it at thirty grand a week. The I don't know, say randomly, the a bit similar to how the Chinese Super League have been doing it. Turn around and go the Azerbaijani league and go. Oh, hang on a minute, we can offer you one hundred and fifty thousand pound a week. They're gonna go, and that's gonna make a detrimental effect to to our to our game and to our league. Um. Uh- I agree with you, Jason. I, I don't think I could agree with you more about the, 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 the financial and fiscal implications of this. I mean, I've spoke about it for a long time with, with, my, with my family and friends about eventually at one point, the bubble will burst. Um, the bubbles burst at Bolton. The bubbles burst at Bury. And 
you know, I don't think you could, you could, you could seriously sit there and look me in the eye and say that I own a business and that business, you know, spends 140% more on wages than turnover. And I lose 150 million pound a year. And that's a good business model. Because to be honest with you, you wouldn't be in business and you'd be a laughing stock in the business world. But because football is this weird beast where money speaks. And I think that I agree with you. There's, there's way too much money floating around in the game. And I agree with you that money is making these decisions. If promotion to the Premier League was not worth 100, 120, 150 million for these clubs and relegation wasn't going to wreck them financially because they're paying players 70, 80,000, 90,000 a week for very average players. Let's just note that as well. Very average footballers. We would not be having this conversation. And and, no. and and the implications for League Two at a million pounds for them, just like we talked about a month ago with with your with your friends who own the non-league team, fifty grand to them is a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. And so it's no different for them than what it is for the Premier League. But fifty grand is a little bit more negligible than a hundred and fifty million. And money is making this decision. And I think I think the money is less so making the decision in Germany because there's not as much money floating around. But you're going to have you're going to have massive problems and i think the the longer this goes on i think you're going to have more clubs that and i think that's that's well the other thing driving this from the EFL and the Premier League and the FA is that the longer this goes on if this goes on for another 2 or 3 or 4 months without football without any income coming in they're going to be there will there won't be 92 football teams anymore 19 football league 92 football league teams no because, they won't because they will they will they will all go and you know Maybe Mansfield Town, and not not to single them out because it's it's I like Mansfield Town. I've been to the been to the ground and stuff like that. It's a nice kind of smaller stadium, but yeah. what, what do they really bring to the table? I mean, yeah. would 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 football really be shook up in England if Mansfield Town and Notts County and Fleetwood and Scunthorpe just didn't exist? Very, very valid point. No, and I mean, it, it, it does to those communities. And, and, and I understand that like it did to Bury. And I understand that those people are, are hurting and, and we would as well. We, we saw it when Derby were 24 hours from not existing with the three amigos. Yeah. And, and so I would much prefer to have a football team that, that even is, that's just trash and just garbage, but have a team to support week in and week out. And, and money is, money is making these decisions. I just did a quick, uh, math calculation. And we've let's say we played 30 games out of the 38 games that we have to play. That's 78% of the season that's been completed. Yeah. You made the point of if this had happened after eight games, we'd cancel the season. Yes, that's not a large enough sample size to determine who's a champion and who's not a champion. But 78% of your season being completed, that's you pretty much know where everyone's gonna finish. Yeah. And I think if they just look, just draw the line under this because I was reading also, it's gonna cost owners and it's gonna cost clubs more money to start the season again because they're getting off the the, the protection payment plan from the, the UK government where they're furloughing the, play, the employees. They're still having no income. The teams are going to have to pay back, like I think Premier League teams are going to have to pay back 370 million pounds to Sky for the TV rights. Advertisers yep. are going to go. Some advertisers, I already saw where West Ham's uh, sleeve sponsorship, Bassett and Gold, they've gone bust. Yeah. I've read rumors that 32 Red are struggling. Yeah. You know, like we saw with iPro, they ran out of money. The, the people that are paying money to sponsor football that keeps the money alive, okay? A lot of these clubs, and I hate to say this word, but they're just leeches because they're just yeah. sucking in money. And, and there's a lot of hangers on as well that are also leeches, not just the clubs, but 
they're just sucking up money and, and producing no football. So eventually if I'm 32 red or I'm Morley Hayes, I'm going to say, I'm not paying 50 grand to have my stuff round thing. I know you're struggling for money. I'm only going to give you 10. Yeah. And it, it may well be a way to drive it down. I mean, it's an horrible, yeah. it's a horrible scenario that's going to cause it. Uh, but if you're looking for a glimmer of hope <laughs> out of all this scenario yeah. and I try and do that, it, it may well be that it, it, it will drive it down. I agree. It, it will. I, I've read things that they said transfers are, we're going to look back in 10 years at Neymar's 200 million pound transfer and laugh at it. Like it's a joke. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because players, and I've, I've read where, where top clubs are going to be picking off lower clubs for their talented players for next to nothing. Cause they know a player at Scunthorpe, I, I don't mean to pick on Scunthorpe, a player at Lincoln's very good and they're going to pay him next pennies on the on pennies on the pound for, yeah. for, for what it's worth. Uh, for what the players valued at, but this is going to change the market. This is going to change the market forever. You can't expect to go out and spend 200 million on Jaden Sancho because you don't have 200 million. You can't go out yeah. and expect to spend 10 million pounds on Christian Bielik. You know, no, this, totally summer, this summer, those players that were all untouchable, like Jaden Bogle, we, we, I think we both rate him at in excess of 10 or yeah. 15 or 20 million pounds. Cause that's what the going yeah. rate for a young English fullback is. He's yeah. going to be worth, if you're lucky, a million. Yeah. Max Bird, you'll be lucky to get a million because, yeah. because nobody's got any money to buy any players. On the flip side, I think it benefits Darby because they've they've kind of quote unquote committed to this youth policy. They've got Sibley Bird Knight into the team with with Bogle and Lowe. They've not had to pay for those players. Yeah. And so if you're going to continue to blood the and sorry, Morgan Whitaker as well. I, I always leave him out, but Whitaker as well. You know, they blood they've they bred these youngsters in. So if they were to have no money and there were to be no transfers. Darby might be okay because those young players are still going to grow. And hopefully in theory, judging by FIFA ratings on the video game, they should get better next season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it could well be that, that small glimmer of hope, if anything, that comes out of this. I mean, the other, the other thing, um, certainly again, tying up the finances and behind closed doors, something that you've just touched on there. I don't know the figures, um, but I know there's a fair few clubs out there that have furloughed their players. So the so the FA turn around and go, right, all football starts back next week. Oh, by the way, you've now got to pay those players wages. But they're not getting anything in because there's no way that football's coming back to start with 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 capacity crowds. So there's not going to be the, the ticket money. There's not not going to be the merchandise, maybe the merchandising, but certainly the concourse money. But not this time of the year because shirts are 10 quid. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to go back into a scenario where it may potentially, even by just starting the season again, certainly for lower league clubs, I would say, um, it might actually be more of a financial uh, re- constrain for them to actually start up again it's it's one of those again it's a very difficult decision um to make and i'm sure all these factors are being put into the decisions that are being made but unfortunately because there is such a disparity on money in football not not one decision is going to suit all parties but then as soon as you start creating different rules for different uh, leagues, teams, countries, nation, whatever you want to, however you want to say it, there's always going to be somebody that turns around and goes, well, why can't we have what, they, what they've what they got? Or why can't this happen the way that they've got? And of course, all that's going to happen is some of, like you say, some of the big sponsorships may well struggle. You take a, a League Two, League One, League Two club, might be sponsored by, I don't know, Joe Blogs. 
all of a sudden a Premier League team comes available and goes, oh, by the way, we've just lost this sponsor. Would you like to come and sponsor us for X amount? You know, the, the, for this? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Straight in. It's more money, and that. But unfortunately, the club that was reliant on that sponsorship money. It'd be interesting to see if there's any loyalty involved. Of course, with all sponsorships, there's contracts, and we know that something, obviously, certainly con- players' contracts, we're going to go on to. Uh, but there's there's all contracts in place. I'd be interested to know at this moment in time if any contract at this moment in time in world football is worth the paper it's written on, because of the the position everything's in. Because it is not, as you quite rightly say. This is not going to go back to the way that it was for many, if ever, if ever, many years. So I'm going to pose this question to you regarding contracts. First of all, I think that it will change the way contracts are written and they will have a pandemic clause in the future. And they'll have these these clauses that if, you know, we have to shut down or whatever. And I think that'll that'll happen. But let me ask you this question. We were talking about wage deferrals and we were talking about how I read reports in the Daily Mail that were disputed by Wayne Rooney's agent and PR people that they were refusing to take the wage deferrals. Okay. A player, let's just say, and I'm not going to use any player at Derby, but let's just say they're on an 18 month contract or a two year contract and they've took a wage deferral. Technically their contract's still going on right now, right? So another month passes and instead of 18 months, it's 17 months and you've played no games. Okay. And they're, they're still picking up Ten or fifteen thousand a week, but not their full salary. When this this season eventually finishes and they start the new season, if the next season, if that season runs for an extra couple of months and their contract, let's say, runs out on July first, but because of this, that following season doesn't finish till August, you're going to tell me that they're not going to want to sign a more lucrative extension? Absolutely. But they're not going to they sit are. here and go, well, hey, I did my 24 months at the club. Don't expect me to play for a 25th month. And it's like, well, for three months you weren't paying. Well, that's not my problem. It's written in the contract. But yet, yeah. but they want, they want, they want wage deferral. They don't want to do wage deferrals. It's like, you're going to get the money back. But I think it's more important for you to, for me, if someone said, I need you to be furloughed, that's because they might go out of business and then your contract's yeah. worth nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd rather pick up 2000 a week. And then get my money on the back end when we're making money again, you know. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing is, players expect. And and this is a thing about football all over the places. Clubs and players and fans all expect loyalty, but there's no loyalty amongst them. We saw it with with Keo, great servant for Derby for years. He was released the following day because he had no value to him anymore. But then when Derby wants a player to sign an extension, the player's going off. Other way, and they're like, "Well, where's the loyalty? Well, where's the loyalty for you when you're trying to protect players when they've got issues?" You know, yeah, you, you, absolutely. Clubs would release a player tomorrow, and so personally for me, I used to have a problem with it when I was a kid growing up because I'd always buy an NSL, NFL jersey, and it worked out the player would always leave the next season or that season, and so I'd always have to buy another one. But then, yeah. like you know, I can't, I can't, for, I can't, I can't, you know, blame a player for wanting to go get paid. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, no. if I say to you, Jason, if you would walk out on your company now for ten times the money, would you do it? Well, don't answer because your employee might be working. Employer might be, working. <laughs> but but you see, those are the questions. Of course, of course, we all would. Yeah, I think the majority of the time you would absolutely. You know, um, based on various factors or whatever, but th- that's what they're going to say. This, well, I've done my twenty-four months. You can't expect me to play for a twenty-fifth month or whatever. I, I think, think the interesting point with that, just to add, just to jump in there, is. 
like you said, contracts are never going to be written the same. I'm no football agent. I, I have never seen a footballer's contract. I'm basing this purely on a football manager-based game. That That's the best way to do it. Absolutely. The players will. I want £50,000 a week. Okay, what I'm willing to offer you is £35,000 a week, £500 per appearance, £1,000 per goal, whatever it may well be. Like you put it into that scenario, the context that you've just said there. I'm on a 24 month contract. 50%, I don't know the figures, call it 50%. 50% of your wage is made up based on the amount of minutes and goals and clean sheets or whatever it is that you that you, um, that you you get paid. This season goes on three, four, five months, no football, as currently going on. There, those clauses are, are, are going to be a thing of the past. And then the base, the starting base will be, no, 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 you're paying me £60,000 a week. You're not splitting it down because you can't guarantee me, like you say, some form of like an epidemic clause or whatever. You can't guarantee me that I'm actually going to earn 50% of what you're, what you're saying you're going to pay me. Um, now, I say what I'm about to say in a little bit tongue-in-cheek. That sounds like a very good idea based on some of the financial irregularities that Derby County seem to have. Um, that seems quite a viable option, but it, you can see players turning around and going, no, not going to do it. You you say I've signed a £3 million a year contract when technically all I'm getting out of it is base rate 1.2. I'm obviously still a lot of money, but base rate 1.2 million. And then again, it comes onto the loyalty thing and that two years goes past and goes, right, well, okay, well, we're willing to offer you another two-year deal. Uh, but again, there's going to be no clauses in it. It's literally just a, whatever. The, the the players aren't going to take that. Uh, let's face it, you're quite right. The player loyalty, not really there. They do go where the money is and obviously dependent on how far their talent, talents can can make, make it stretch. Um, but yeah, the, the whole rewriting of contracts is just going to be, I think, very, very interesting. One of the points... Um, we were speaking just before about the uh, the Rams writer podcast, uh, and one of the things that Ryan Conway was talking about, they was uh, discussing Chris Martin's contract, um, and obviously signing people now coming up to the transfer window with still huge amounts of uncertainty. You could, let's face it, certainly somebody of Chris Martin's age. Not that Derby necessarily are looking to sign that that standard of player, uh, sorry, that age of player, uh, but for instance, somebody who was 31 coming out of the Premier League wants to go to the Championship for whatever reason, he would be a shoo-in, first-teamer, all day long. You're not going to want, but they want to see off their career. They want a four-year deal, three-year deal, four-year deal. You're not going to offer them that because you don't necessarily know when football's going to restart. And of course, you've got to back this contract based on the amount of money coming in. Because um, certainly a club of Derby's stature, I don't think the sponsorship alone is certainly going to cover the majority of the wage bill. Um, and you, it could well be that in this transfer market, we see certain, certain moves that you would normally associate, but aren't going to happen just because owners are fearful that, 
they're not going to get a ret- basically a return on their investment is pretty much what it is. And like you say, uh, Derby are in a, a nice position in some respects where four, five, six of their bulk of their squad, who probably are on less than ten thousand a week, uh, are going to be made up from from these academy products. Uh, but then again, as you say, on the flip side of that, the value, the transfer values are going to drop. Um, Mel Morris has pumped in millions. Uh, into building more, getting more farm, getting getting that talent through. Uh, I think it's it's surplus of twenty five million. I think it is. Um, and obviously, what you want to be able to do is bring that youngster through, sell him on for fifteen, ten, fifteen, twenty million. You've you've made your investment there, but all of a sudden, if if you're producing players out of the academy that aren't worth more than a million. Is academy football going to start to deteriorate? And obviously the the, the facilities, I know we're pushing this a, a little bit out of the realm here, but it's all those kind of things that certainly from a bit from, from a football owner's point of view, they're going to look at that and and go, is it is it worth it? Is, is it worth investing? Are we just going to turn over at the current rate that we are, just keep plodding along, which we know, again, a lot of football clubs can't really afford to do. Um. It's it's going to be an interest from that perspective. I think it's going to be an interesting interesting to see what happens. I think what you'll see is you'll see um, teams maybe scaling back their academy a little bit more and taking the top prospects in the academy and making sure that they can get into the first team quicker. Um, there'll be less academy games because obviously that takes that takes time and money um, and what have you. And I think you'll just see a lot more players thrown into the deep end um, into the first team football, so they they won't play for the under 18s, the under whatever you'll have a, you'll have an under 18s team for the young people. And then they'll just literally be the first team. Um, and to your point about older players is I, I say this, I always say this, I'm never going to mention American sports, but it always kind of leans back to that. There has been a shift a lot in major league baseball recently, and this is off topic of football, but it gets back to the, the point about older players that baseball teams um, in major league baseball here, they've been going more towards young players um, taking prospects, grooming them while their contracts are cheap, using them and then either trading them for more young players or then signing them to a big deal. But what that scene is in the free agent market, which basically are non-contracted players, veteran players who are above a certain age don't get contracts. And you have players that have literally won the World Series and have performed at a very high level the season before, but because they're 32 years old and they want... 8 million, they don't get a club. They don't get a team. And so they end up sitting on their couch through spring training. And then the season starts in March or April or May, and they get picked up for next to nothing because they're like, well, Christ, I might as well earn some money while I'm still doing it. And I think that's what you'll end up seeing. I think if these T players drop down from the Premier League and, they, and they're like, well, I want 30,000 a week, you're not going to get 30,000 a week. Well, I want 30,000 a week. Okay. Well then you'll sit out this season and you'll make nothing. And obviously football is a little different because there's, there's thousands of clubs all across the world at a lot of different levels, you know? And like you said, they could go to India, they could go to China, they could go to the Azerbaijani Premier League or the Belarusian, you know, championship or whatever. But I think the draw to England is that you're dealing with big clubs, you're dealing with historic clubs, you're dealing with a fever and fan base as you are in Germany and Spain and Italy and most of Europe. But eventually the market's going to dry up because it's not just England's facing the fiscal realities of this. It's all the teams across Europe and 
well, let's just keep it with Europe because I don't, that's kind of where my football purview kind of peters out a little bit. But I think you'll see the market dry up. And I think if you get a player, um, let's use Shane Long as an example, because I saw he's coming up as a free agent. He says, well, I want 60,000 pound a week or whatever. It's just not going to be there. So he's going to end up having to sign for somebody eventually to make some sort of money, or he's just going to have to retire. And that might be 10 or 15,000 pound. And if a player came to me and said, well, you know, I have a, like you said, I have a 3 million pound base contract, but I only have 1.5 million pound base. I think I deserve three and not 1.5 in incentives. I'd say, well, go out and prove it because if you're a 3 million pound a year player, you'll earn every penny of it. And you're not going to sit here and say, oh, well, I'm worth 3 million. Well, then you, you scored like five goals. So, so yeah. each goal is worth what? I don't know, 350,000 or something. It's like, no, if you think that you're worth four or 5 million pound a year, then go out there. I'll, per, I'll give you enough money where you can be a professional and all you can focus on is football. You don't have to worry about paying your bills and where the food's coming from because you've got enough money. But if you think you're worth more than that, then go out and show me. And if you show me, I will pay you because it's written in yeah. your contract. If you want to go out and you want to score 30 goals for me, because I know if, I know if you score 30 goals for me, I'll get promoted. Well, then go out and score me 30 goals and I'll pay you. And we can yes. cut it when we're in the next league. But until then, keep it shut. Keep your head down. Be a professional. You're making more than enough money anyway, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so no. move on. Because some of these players, they talk about, and this goes back to the coronavirus and COVID and stuff. Some of these players are 100,000 pound a week. That would pay for five NHS nurses for a year. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 you know, obviously some of these players need to keep it in perspective as well. They're getting very well paid and it's not their fault. I don't blame the players, whatever. I don't blame them because if someone offered me 50 grand, I'd take it. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. These players absolutely. paid very well money to kick a ball around and they're, they're worshipped as gods. They're worshipped as heroes. Okay. But this is, this is kind of shook everything up. We realize celebrity news and football news is not really that significant to our lives. It's a nice interest to have, but could I survive without it? Yes, I probably could. Would I be a happier person with football? Yes. Would I be more depressed without it? Yeah, probably. Well, not depressed, but you know. Let, get less enjoyment out of life. Yes. But, but they need to keep it in perspective as well. If you think you're worth a hundred thousand a week, then go out and show me every week that you're worth a hundred thousand and wipe the floor with the other players. And then I'll pay you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just want to put a, try and put a positive, another positive spin on the, on the last couple of financial points. Oh, I think we've, pretty much said i think i think the transfer fees have uh, are going to be a thing of the past one of the things that you've just picked up on there um as well i want to make quick comment on for instance like you say i'd just pick somebody at the minute out of the premier league on 50 50 60 000 a week they're no longer going to get paid those those t- players may well dro- have to drop down to be able to fit into a relative budget if they're interested in playing football you would think that they would do that can you see the first part of the question? Can you see um, some higher profile, if that's what you want to call them, players having to start filter down into lesser leagues? If you want to, again, if, if you want to use that wording, this could become a positive for clubs like Derby and, and whatever, where they are picking up players that are. I don't want. I don't like to use the word better than the league, but they could. They may well be better than better than the league. Um, uh, on half a third, twenty, you know, whatever percent you want, it certainly more than half of um, what their what their worth is. That can only be a positive. 
Um, and the second point, uh, obviously we've just touched on the academies and things like that. One of the big things that, uh, just moving it away from club football, but for, for national football, obviously, certainly England as a, as a, as a nation are, are pretty well supported. Um, do you think this is, could uh, potentially have a very positive effect on uh, homegrown players based on, you know, obviously it might be the only route that a lot of clubs have got, certainly at lower level, which would then get them the more exposure um, to the game, uh, which may well then in turn make some of the more reputable clubs pick them up. Okay, might not be for the right finances, potentially, that we've seen in the past, but it, it gives the opportunity for some of these homegrown players. Um, I, I'm just going to use an example, Jamie Vardy, person for, 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 for example. I don't believe, he may well not have been at the time, uh, or, or produced it at the time, but I, I don't see that somebody who can be playing conference football is all of a sudden a Premier League footballer four years later. You've got that talent. Okay, you are nurtured as, with your coaches. I get that. But you've got to have that base talent. There are plenty of people, as we well know, that don't make the likes of Man United, Man City, Arsenal. They don't make the first teams because they just buy in quality. You know, we look at certainly some that Derby have got um, or, or have had in the past, some of the loans that they've had that have not made it at their uh, professional uh, their parent clubs and they end up dropping down to leagues one two um okay yeah they still make a career for themselves i would say as a personal footballer again it depends on what your mindset is i suppose if you was at the giddy heights of manchester united as a youngster didn't cut it you drop down to league two is the effort there? Is the determination still there? You know, a lot of people will walk around with chips on the shoulders saying, oh, well, I, I was in the academy at Manchester United. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're now playing for South End. Prove that you're good enough for South End, which a lot failed to do. It, I, I think this could just help homegrown players um, get that, as I say, get that exposure um, and, and possibly achieve things uh, that they might not necessarily have been able to achieve. I agree with you, and I think what you'll see is when we look back at this period of football in 25, 30 years' time, you'll see two pivots. You'll see the pivot of the Jaden Sancho pivot, where, well, he's not good enough for Manchester City. He doesn't fit in the first team. He's never going to make it, whatever. He goes to the Bundesliga. He tears it up at a top European club at Dortmund, and he is now an England regular. Okay, He's one of the first names on the team sheet for England. He's insanely good for Dortmund, and he's still a, he's still a teenager, or he might be 19, 20 years old, teenager, early 20s, and he wasn't good enough. And I think when you saw Sancho move, you saw Reese Oxford move, you saw Adamo and Alukman move, you saw um, Bayern be interested in Hudson-Odoi, and he used that as leverage against Chelsea to get more playing time. Um, and there's, there's other players that have moved as well. I think that'll be one pivot, and I think you're right. I think the second pivot will be the, 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 the COVID because – because um, players that have dropped down out of leagues or youth players will now get more opportunities. I think that will make the leagues inherently more competitive. And I don't care what anybody says, a competitive league is a better league than one where people walk it every year. I remember when, when Leicester won the league a few years ago in the Premier League, people were like, oh man, we can't wait to get back to normal where it's just the same people winning all the time. And I think it's absolutely ludicrous and it's absolutely boring when you kick off on the first day of a season and you know Leeds are going to win the league or you know Man City is going to win the league and that's what you're waiting for. You're just waiting for them to be crowned champions. And I think 
that'll make the leagues more competitive. And when the leagues get more competitive, players, especially at League One and League Two level, those will be more competitive. So the teams that come up, they'll be more competitive in the in the respective divisions, and that'll make the players better because you'll have players who are in there wanting to fight for the shirt that do want to play. The players that sit there and they're okay of playing, have, having had played five times for Manchester United's Academy, but they can't perform at South End, wash them out because they're obviously not good enough anyway. But like um, the Blackpool captain, Jay Spearing, midfield, he's playing at Blackpool now. He was at Liverpool. Okay, he played with Gerrard in the same team at Liverpool. And he's the Blackpool guy. But you know what? He's, he's played like every week for Blackpool for like three years, and he's one of their better players. And so you're going to have those fighters. You're going to have the professionalism because talent's nothing if you don't apply the talent. Jamie Vardy always had the talent, but his application was sometimes lacking because he'd get a, he, was, he was playing with an ankle brace on or whatever. And sometimes it just takes the right coach at the right time at the right club to make a difference. Someone like a Chris Wilder. Those players individually are not very good, but they work together collectively as a team. But if you were to break that team apart and put them in another situation, might not get the same results. And so I think that you'll see this will be that second pivot. This will be where, yes, it'll make England as a footballing nation, international level, more competitive because these young players like Mason Mount, if he didn't have the loan spell at Derby last year, would never have been playing for Chelsea. Also, it helps that Frank Lampard's there. Same with Tomori. Harry Wilson's at Bournemouth. Those players would have to drop down a level and they dominate like a Dwight Gale. They'd absolutely dominate. And people would start to see, wow, these players can actually play. Um, and they'll get more game time and then they'll get better. And then that'll make their teams better because obviously they can't move because there's no transfer fees. And I just think that it'll, it'll, it'll make that footballing pyramid a little bit more flat. So it's a little bit more competitive amongst everybody. And I think that that's, the most important thing for the football league, the premier league, the FA and the national team as a whole. I think that's going to be better for football. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I th- and that's what we love about the championship. We, we love about the championship, yeah. not to cut you off, Jason, sorry, but yeah, to, we love about the championship is that anybody can beat anybody on any given day. You have Villa yes. 17th in the league with nine games to play and they get promoted. That's what makes the league fun. That's what obviously it wasn't fun because we were Derby fans, but Generally, as a football fan, it was it was cool to see teams come together and 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 these teams be competitive. You, you there's nobody in the championship that's wiping the floor with anybody. Okay, um, maybe Derby did under McLaren, but then they lost in the playoff final. There's always these things. There's always these bumps because the league is so competitive. You saw it. We went to Charlton and lost three 0 and Charlton's useless and the bottom of the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's and that's what makes it fun. That's why we love it. Yeah. But when you go to the Premier League and teams are getting blown out all the time, it's not in, oh God, it's, I got to watch Bournemouth versus Manchester City today. I wonder how many City's going to get. It's like, well, what's the point of even showing up? Yeah. What's the point of even watching it? I want to be entertained. That's it's it's the entertainment business, you know? Yeah. I want, I want Derby to win, but when I watch him on television or I go to watch him in real life, I want to see a competitive game of football. Do I want Derby to win 7-0? Yes, but I want the other team to show up and give it a go. Yeah, it wouldn't no, be fun for me if the other team just rolled over and said, "Well, you can just have this one." Not interested. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So that's why no, I think it just I makes it more that makes it better. Yeah, absolutely. I think also um, one point that we haven't really touched on, um, you know, basing this on they level out, it levels out finances, it levels out transfer fees, it levels out wages, it it will level out expenditure of football clubs. 
if unless you've got a greedy owner, if you've got an owner that's you know for the fans and all that, you would hopefully, if clubs can start running at a well, you certainly want them better than uh, negative, break even and above. You'd like to see that money obviously put put back into the playing squad, put back into the community, and also reduce season ticket prices. Get the season ticket prices down. Get the average. You've got a stadium that oh that hot certainly Derby that holds thirty three thousand. You've got teams in lower leagues that have the majority of them obviously have got a, have got a capacity that suits their fan base. I get that. You know, kids for a quid, add ten pound tickets, things like that, like they do in Germany. Get the crowds there because that's what football's all about. So hopefully this financial change, which is definitely coming, I'm pretty sure of that, will actually have a positive effect uh, on the fans and it'll actually mean that more fans get to go to games um, and, and basically do what football's all about, which is support your club. I mean, uh, we have just recently, obviously, had the renewals through for, for the season tickets. Uh, we've had no mention on what's happening uh, with the payments that we made for last season, you know, for the games that we missed. I think I, I, I pay mine on a monthly basis. I've paid two months so far of, of a season that I don't even have a start date for. Um, and I mean, I'm not that I'm expecting the money back from this season. You know, it's fine. But I'm, I'm certainly, and I'm sure a lot of people are, are in this position. I don't think many people will be too happy by piling in four, five, six, seven hundred as the probably the higher end of the season ticket spectrum, certainly at Derby, piling in seven hundred pounds in, into something that you don't get what you pay for. You, you don't you wouldn't normally do that in that in that scenario. I, so I, why why would football be any different? I think what you'll also see though is I think you're you're dead on with your point. You know, you pay good money, you work hard for what you earn. Um you know and obviously I don't have a season ticket but I go every season for a few games. I use my vacation time to come. I spend a lot of money to get over there. And, and and that's that's my personal decision. That's got nothing to do with anybody else. Same as it's your personal decision to get Derby County tickets. But I think what it will do, hopefully, is it'll make the clubs recognize the importance of the fans. Because I think so for so long, the fans, the little guy, me and you, show up. You obviously show up week in and week out. And, and, and a lot of people like yourself show up week in, week out. They show up week in and week out, and, and these teams are not bothered because they're making ad revenue, they're making sponsor revenue, and and you know yeah they're like yeah we we're happy that you we're so happy that you pay thirty pound or thirty five pound to go watch Nottingham Forest we're so happy we're going to make you pay seven quid for a beer we're going to make you pay four fifty for a hot dog we're going to make you pay fifty quid for a shirt we'll make you three three pound for a program we'll, we're going to nickel and dime you for every single thing you can get and I understand the 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 financial implications and why they do it. And I'm sure if I was a football owner or someone related with the club, I would be the other way. We talked earlier about the Sunderland documentary. In the Sunderland documentary, they're talking about how Sunderland last season were playing at the Johnston's Paint Trophy. And a guy said, well, why don't we award the fans that I went to the Johnston's Paint Trophy games? And the chief executive said, why would we do that? We would make no money. We want to sell the tickets, not give them away for nothing or 10, 15 quid when we can sell them for 50. And that to me, I was like, are you kidding me? That's a good job. I don't support Sunderland because I'd be rioting at the doors. And I think what it'll do is it'll make clubs realize that the fans are important. Well, I would hope it would anyway. And like you say, bring the ticket prices down, make sure the stadiums are full, make sure that it's an affordable day out for you, your friends, your family, so you can go. And you you shouldn't have to, you know, you, you shouldn't have to take your kid to go to a game. 
spend 70 quid on tickets. They want a shirt. That's 50 quid. They want a program because you want to make sure that they have the right experience that you had when you were a child. Right. I mean, I remember going to baseball games back when the Washington team wasn't very good. And me and my mom used to go and I could get tickets and it was like a $40 day out. And I get a couple hot dogs and I get some autographs and I'd get a, you know, a baseball hat or whatever. And now, now you can go and it's like upwards of like $250 for two people to go because they've jacked everything up. And I think it'll be good in the long term for football, for the finances to come down, for the money to flow out of the game into elsewhere. Um, and that would allow people to make provisions to ensure that it doesn't happen again because it is un- unsustainable. And I would also hope that it makes clubs recognize how lucky they are to have fans that are loyal like yourself, who go every week, who live and breathe Derby. Yeah, now, well, I mean, without, there's without people, fans, there's no football, is there? I mean, it's simple. No, yeah. and, and, so, and so I think... Hopefully, if they play behind closed doors and it's safe and whatever, you know, to kind of tie everything that we've talked about in, that they recognize your support and they say, you know what, we can't afford, we can't afford to have empty seats. I mean, so often I see on TV that there's like ten to 15,000 empty seats in between where you sit in the South Stand and the away end. And I understand there's obviously security precautions, but it's a game against like a nobody team, Middlesbrough or something. Yeah. That, right. And it's like, why don't you just give those tickets away to sick kids? Why don't yeah, you just absolutely. give those? Why don't you just go to like a homeless shelter and say, "Here, do you want to go watch a game?" Or go to a school and say, "Everyone can come tonight. We'll put a free bus on." Because yeah, because it's goodwill gestures like that that make a difference to you as a fan, to a kid who looks up to their heroes. You know, even if it's Rammy for Christ's sake. Yeah. No. Right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, no, go, I go to the grounds. I'm nearly thirty years old, and I take a picture with Rammy every time I go because it's just fun. Yeah. It's a giant yeah. six foot ram walking around. He looks like a goofus, but it's fun. And yeah. And to and to, to, to recognize the fan, I, I said this a couple weeks a couple podcasts ago. Give the fans a free scarf. Give the fans a free drink. Give them a 10 pound voucher at the store because the cost is minimal for your support over the, your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. If they botch this, people might say, you know what? I've been doing without football for six months and I could spend that thousand quid doing up a garden shed or making my house nice or putting my family on vacation. Well, not going on vacation now, but you know, buying my kids something nice, buying my wife or my husband something nice. And I don't yeah, need to spend yeah. that money at Darby. I can go to the occasional game because I enjoy it, but I've not missed it as much. And, and, and that's a fear because it happened again in American sports when baseball had their strike in the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. That's when the NFL came to prevalence because people were like, well, baseball don't care about us. They've locked out. They don't have yeah. half a season. So they all went to the NFL and now the NFL is what, what it is today. And baseball is is still number two, but it was like, Jesus, you were number one, but you missed that opportunity because you didn't put the fans first. You put money first. And yeah. I think, I know you were trying to bring it up a bit and I always feel like you're the good cop and I'm the bad cop. So that's all I'll put <laughs> on that, Jason. And I'll let you take yeah. it away from there. No, I, 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 you're very correct. I think either way, I mean, you've explained a, certainly one side. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a two way thing. It will it will either go the way that, like you say, behind closed doors, they will get a feel of what it's like week in week out without fans. And football for me is for the fans. And I think if they don't use this opportunity to do something along the lines of what you've just explained, then it, it's definitely an opportunity missed. And as you say, I do think it will potentially, uh, obviously football fans are pretty loyal, but it, it could well be the difference. Certainly one of the points there, 100%. In the last 20 years, there's only been two seasons that I've not had a season ticket. And in those two seasons, I still went to about 10 games a season. So that's still half half the games that you would probably normally go to. 
but you can pick and choose. Uh, oh, you know, money's money's tight that month if you if you're on an hourly contract. Or oh, they're selling the Barnsley game on Tuesday night for ten pound a ticket. I'll go to that instead instead of going to watch Swansea for forty pounds on Saturday. That's the way it will it will start to go. I know a few people that used to go week in week out. Don't go anymore because the cost, like you say, it's not just the ticket price. Even with the season ticket prices, I think it, it probably averages out at about seventeen pounds a game. And and that is reasonable value. You take those 23 home games that you've got, and this is meant as no disrespect, probably 15 out of those 23 games aren't that, imp- aren't, aren't that important. You base it on the Forest Absolutely. You base it on the Forest game. You base it on the Leeds game, where me personally, I would probably pay £30, £40 for a ticket because that's what I want to do. But you take that away, and then, so yeah, before you know it, you've probably only spent half of the amount you would have done on a season ticket. You've gone to the games that you wanted to go to. Um, not that I've ever been felt forced to go to a game because I've got a season ticket, but it, it does make you, when you've got a season ticket, it does make you feel like, oh, if I don't go, I've lost out on something uh, because you've already paid for it. Maybe you don't get that feeling anymore. And then, of course, as you say, you, you've got the, the the five, certainly not quite at Derby, but you know, you're getting there at £4.50 for a drink and, and a fiver for a burger or something like that. That st- If that, you then, you can start, you'll probably see a lot of people will start seeing football as a once a month thing, uh, as, as, a, as a treat almost, rather than what it's meant, what a season ticket is meant for. And that's for the loyal supporter to follow their team at home. We can, you know, every every fortnight or whatever it may well be, uh, because, like you say, the ticket prices now. I mean, not so long ago, um, you you could go out for the day, like you say, forty fifty pounds probably in this country for for go to a game. That's fine. You can at least double that now. I've looked. I used to follow Derby away quite a lot. You can now look at that. I mean, you, by the time you've got, either you go on the bus, you go on the train, whatever, whatever you go, or the coach, whatever you go on, before you even have anything to eat that day, before you have anything to drink, like you say, a program, maybe whatever it, you are, you are at a base price now of pretty much 70 to 80 pounds for a ticket and travel. Uh, dependent on where you go. Certainly, I know that the supporters branch that we go with, if they go to places like Bristol, they'll go to Western Supermare for the weekend. If they go, if they play Preston or something like that, they'll do a, a weekend in Blackpool. And so all that comes into it. Again, it's your choice to do it, of course. But if you're wanting to do that, you're being, you're almost being, you are at a point now where a lot of people are being priced out of the market to go for, for your everyday average person to want to go to football to be able to afford to go to football um i'd love if i was told going away every week only going to cost you 20 25 pound 30 pound i'd be at every away game i don't go to every away game because i know it's at least 100 if not more and it's actually costing more for me to go and support my team away from home as it is from home now obviously there are as i say there are things there accommodation travel that, that will that, that that will make that more expensive but potentially you want your away support just as much as you need your home support. Obviously the home support is where your money comes from. That's fine. But you know, if you've got a passion about your fans being behind the team, you want your away, your, you want your away fans to go. Now, obviously Derby have been blessed over the years with a pretty decent following. 
Um, but I would I would certainly say you not many don't sell out, and I know that. But if you were to lower that, you you could probably half that cost. And it would still make it financially viable and profitable for whoever the people are. But you're getting more people to go. Um, like you say, some some little kid coming in, you know, just starting to go six, seven, eight years old, just starting to want to get into into going to football. I mean, I appreciate the kids' season tickets are free up to the age of about 12, I think. Um, and then it's at that point, And I know they're not that expensive. But if you're getting exposed to something, at that, you know, at that age, where you think, oh Christ, you know, I'm I'm getting in, I'm getting into this two or three years down the line. I remember it with myself. One of the first years I didn't have one was when I went from a junior to an adult because it, the ticket price was double. And I think the junior season ticket at the time was about 170 pounds, and the 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 adult season ticket jumped straight up to 300, and I think it was about 320. Uh, that was a big jump. Uh, at the time, I was still in college and stuff like that, it, but, so I could I'd not quite got the earning power, but it, it was a big jump up just because I turned from 17 to 18 one day meant I had to start paying double the price now uh, to be able to go and watch my team, which, which, which I think is ridiculous to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and obviously you want younger generations to obviously pick up the sport. Um, I mean, I think that's always going to be the case with football, but you're going to want that. And what better way to get them involved? Like you say, you know, cheap tickets, free shirt, free shirts, even who knows, free scarves, just a little bit of something back. Like you say, makes you feel like the money that you are putting in. Okay, yes, you get to go and see them on a match day, but there's a bit more behind it as well. And I think all this, just tie it all up now in, in this last statement, I think all of this, if you was going to put a positive spin on it, whilst it's very disappointing at the moment, it could be the start of something uh, new uh, and better in terms of the football experience um, as a whole, but in general, you know, in general as a whole, but the, for, for the fan as well. So I've got to, I'm going to, uh, I made a few notes while you were talking, Jason, and then I'm going to end with a positive spin. If you had 17 to 20 pound, right, would you go and spend that to watch an average movie? Uh, no. Would you go to an average place and spend 20 quid on a meal that, eh, it's not that great, it's okay? No, you wouldn't, no. So then why would you pay for average football? No, exactly. Um, you talk about the large following, but the large following for the past few years has come out and and I'm not, this is not a criticism. This is not a criticism at all, but I think maybe some of the uptick in support has been because Derby has been more competitive. And I think the more competitive and more good the club is, if you had gone when they were in the premier league losing every week, or they were gone a couple years after that under Cluffy, when he first started to cut things and they were not competitive. I don't think the crowds were what they were now. No, no, they weren't. No, right. I, that was about the time I was there. <laughs> no, they weren't. No. And like you say, what you lose in tickets, what you lose in a ticket, I take five pound off a ticket, right? But that's for you. You know that a day out for you is 20 quid and a ticket's 15 quid. That gives you five pound that you know you're going to spend on something at Derby, whether it be a yeah. pie, a beer, uh, a soda, a scarf. I don't know why I keep saying scarves, a shirt, a hoodie. Yeah a program or, or something in the ground, right? So you're gonna, they're going to make that money back because they're like, it's like yeah. something's on sale. If it's buy one, get one free, you're going to buy two. Or, you know, 
buy buy two get one half off. You're only really saving twenty five percent, but you're like, I'm getting a deal. Yeah, so absolutely. Capturing yeah. a little bit more, but giving you next to nothing. Yeah, the deal mentality. And yeah. what I would like to see them do is two things. Again, back to American sports, and I hate doing this, but they have the ability where instead of having a season ticket, you can pick certain games in a package. Yeah. Half season plan, quarter season plan, but even down, and they've seen, I've seen it before a few years ago where they had, you know, by QPR, Preston, and uh, whatever, Barnsley, all on Tuesdays, you get leads for free because it fills the stadium twice. And to see them move more kind of customized packages. Yeah. Would be cool. Yeah. You know, go to, go, yeah. go to five away games, guarantee a center, uh, center, uh, center circle seat for Nottingham forest. Yeah. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or go to five away games, get your ticket for forest and you get a free before match or post match meeting with in the, in the, in the, in the club that they have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot they they, they could do, uh, but uh, they don't because obviously the, the finances dictate all this. And like yeah. I say, so you, we take the finance away. Clubs are gonna. In all fairness, Corey, I think if I, if the finance goes out of football to uh, at that extreme as it is at the moment, clubs are gonna have to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not Derby as such because it is a one football club city. But you look at the likes of Manchester, who've got two or three. And the surrounding areas, clubs are going to have to put on incentives to get the fans in. Um, and again, it, it's for me, it's it's a viable option of doing that, and, and it, it's a positive for the fan experience, like, which football is all about. Like the teams here, when you when you have a team that comes in, whether it's NFL or baseball or whatever, or hockey or whatever, and they're playing a crap team, like let's say Luton on a Tuesday night that no one really fancies going to, right? they'll put a bobblehead giveaway day and they have 10 bobbleheads a year. And like when you get those 10 bobbleheads because they're limited edition and you can't get them in the store, they're like, like the aftermarket for those are insane to sell them online and stuff like that. And they could do things like that. Like let's get a Chris Martin bobblehead on a Tuesday night against the thing. And yeah, sure. You've maybe spent 50 grand, uh, creating bobbleheads, but then your stadium fills out. Yeah, I mean, I can think back to, you know, one of the first season tickets I had. You used to get your first round of the League Cup voucher. Yeah, it's just little things like that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it may may have been against a nobody. But now they'll try and go, oh, well, uh, for the the first round of the Cup, it's, I don't know, £10 for adults, £5 for kids. Yeah, okay. But you're still only going to get, you you are only going to get capacity of about 8, 10, I think you, I think you'd be pushing it if you said you was getting above fifteen thousand for a for a first round cup tie. Yep. So by giving the season ticket holders, which are of about what twenty twenty two thousand season ticket holders, something around that, if you gave them a free season ticket, you would expect at least sixty seventy percent of those to take up that offer. Okay, people might not be able to do it for logistic reasons, but all of a sudden you've you've got you've got the crowd and then like you say they're getting the money back because they're making the purchases from the ground they're making the purchases from the superstore they, they they're buying the coffees they're buying the hot dogs they're buying the programs and in, in the end if you if you was to look at the balance sheets between the two it, it i would say it's pretty much about the same and like you say it's that little incentive back that that, that puts that little warm glow uh it, it, you know in your back pocket that oh this club really you know this club values my support and I think that, as we said, I think that will um, th- something like that needs to happen, and and this is, I would say, a perfect, perfect opportunity 
um, for for things like that uh, to come into place. I'm right, right there with you. Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we've waffled on for long enough um, for the first part of this podcast. Um, a, a, a good hour and a half discussion on all that. Um, we will be uh, meeting again at some point uh, next week to um, cover more Derby County club related things as this is a Derby County podcast. Um, but of course you, you can't um, put out media content without discussing current current things and obviously we we tried to tie it in there with with our own club and, and and as much as we could my thanks as always Corey. fantastic uh, just always a great uh, a great chat never a chore and um looking forward to uh, recording the next bit uh some point next week and of course many more to come fingers crossed yeah jason it's, it's always a pleasure to to talk to you and, and obviously to talk about derby but really appreciate you um Allow me to continue to be on here. I really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Well, guys, that is everything for this part. Thank you very much. As always, get in touch, like, subscribe, um, share with your friends, family, if you if you like the content. Uh, get in touch. Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Uh, Twitter is at Rams Review One. Uh, email is ramsreview at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Get in touch, positive or negative. Honestly, don't mind. Sometimes the negatives can turn into a positive to make this content uh, to make this content better. But for now, guys, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.